Creative Coaching Podcast, where we bring together coaches, athletes, former athletes, leaders, and influencers. Everyone has a story, and my hope is that when you listen to their stories, you will be inspired and live your life to tell your story one day. Today's guest is Matt Collier. Coach Collier is the head coach at Queens College. We talked to him today about learning to build a resume at whatever level you're at, for up-and-coming coaches to dive into leadership, and he gives us an amazing story about 9-11 during his time there in New York City. Hope you enjoy this podcast and you look to get better every day. Welcome to the podcast, Coach. Thanks a lot, Mike. I'm uh, appreciative of the invitation and I'm looking forward to speaking with you today. Coach, I, you know, we we uh, we set this up a while back. And, you know, some things came up in, in your personal life, and and mm-hmm. you know, that's just a life of a of a father, of a husband, of a coach. And you know, I'm just so thankful that everything's better now, and you know, and uh, we're able to make this happen. I get a lot of joy in doing these things, but I also get a lot of joy in knowing that coaches are taking care of home first, uh, because I know that's uh, you know, without our families. I don't think we have a drive and a, and a motivation to really be successful and do what we do. Once you once you're kind of in that role as a husband, as a father, uh, it's kind of like the catalyst to everything else. So, you know, here again, I'm, I'm glad we we're finally able to do this. Yeah, no, I appreciate that, Mike. Definitely, when uh, situations come up, it definitely definitely puts everything into perspective. But I tell uh, young coaches that all the time that. Uh, it switches, you know, when you're young and you're single, you know, not married, no kids. When you're, you know, I think it's in any line of work, but definitely in coaching, your mentality of, you know, why you're doing it is one way. But then once you have kids and, you know, you're married and your responsibilities change, it, it puts everything in a different perspective as to why you're really doing this and why, why you're in the business, period you know, and what it means to you and you still, you know, you still love it and you still put your all into it, but your, uh, your motivations, uh, change a little bit. At least that was the case for me. So, yeah. you know, unfortunately, you know, things happen, your kids get sick and things like that, you know, it, it kind of puts everything into perspective just in life in general. Yeah. Absolutely work is part of that, but you know, as long as you have a good support network and, and if you're part of a good program where you have understanding assistant coaches that can step up and help out and your players, you know, reach out and, you know, check on you to see how everything is doing. That also puts it in perspective too. So it, it's all, it's all good. And, you know, uh, she's doing better now. So, you know, it's, um, uh, we're in a good place right now. So I appreciate the, your patience. Also. No, no, I'm glad to hear that coach. So glad. So coach, like I start off every episode, uh, how are you introduced to the game of basketball? By my father. Uh, my father was a really good uh, basketball player. Uh, in New York City, he was uh, all city uh, in 1967. Back when there was only like five guys on the team, not you know, no disrespect yeah. to anybody, but that, you know, that 15, 20 guys, well, you know, on the team, first team, second team, you know, there was yeah. only one team that's all city, and, and he was he was on that team. Uh, you know, very good basketball player. Um, went to junior college first, and uh, went to Furman University uh, for uh, uh, for four. You know, after his four year school, played in the NIT as a junior. Uh, fortunately, had a season-ending injury after uh, his junior year, and that's back in the days where uh, if you had the, you know, the NCAA uh, protections weren't the same as they are now. Where yeah. if you got hurt, you just that was you it. Know, you know, they took your scholarship. That was it. So yeah. you couldn't yeah. claim for it. it was, you know, so um, he, you know, he didn't talk about his uh, his career that much. But you know, I would go to my grandmother's house and see, you know, all the trophies and all the press clippings and seeing him playing in all-star games with, you know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and, wow. you know, all these, you know, you know, um, uh, Tiny Archibald, just all, all these great players. Um, and, you know, so it was really, you know, impressive for me to see that. He didn't talk about it that much, but he would bring me to games, you know, uh, college games, pro games, you know, get tickets and stuff like that. He would take me to par- games in the park, you know, the local parks, you know, good street ball tournaments going on. And you would yeah. see guys that ended up playing in the NBA, like, you know, Lloyd Daniels and yeah. you know, who were like New York City legends and get to see those guys playing in the park. 
so he you know he knew when that stuff was going on so we would go to that and we watch tv watch games um i was more into baseball when i was younger i played yeah. little league and, you know Dow strawberry was my favorite player i was a big oh, yeah. guy uh, but uh you know my dad uh I remember one day um, it was the last game that Dr. J was going to play in, and the game was on television. So he wanted me to watch it. He was a big Dr. J guy, you know, also being from New York, uh, you know, from the island, but still from the New York area um, yeah. around my dad's age. So he wanted me to watch the game, and I was watching the game. You know, Dr. J was obviously older; he was retiring, and that was the first time I saw Charles Barkley play. And from that point on, that you know, that was it for me. That was your <laughs> Basketball guy. Basketball was my yeah. Oh man. Big time. That was my guy. So yeah. watched him play all through the day. So I was a Sixers fan. I was a Suns fan. I was a Rockets fan. And that was, uh, that became, you know, so basketball became my number one sport kind of around that time. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's, that's kind of what got me hooked originally on, on basketball. Yeah. You know, coach, you bring up Lloyd Daniels. We had a taste of mm-hmm. him down here in San Antonio. That guy, mm-hmm. that guy, yep. he, he he he's a walking yep. bucket, man. That guy could Ooh, just yeah. go. Oh, yeah. Wasn't in the best shape, but he could he yeah, could go. Yeah. But you know what? And and it's just it's just funny how things come full circle because I never met him, you know, when I was younger. But I distinctly remember going to watch him play. My father take me out to to watch him play in a park because it was a big deal when he came out there. And I just remember, you know, he had the you know bald head and it was sweat, you know, yeah. everywhere, you know, but you know, but he was out there putting on an absolute show. But just to show you how things come full circle. I actually got a chance to meet him later on through coaching because, you know, he's doing some uh, some youth stuff uh, down in the New Jersey area. He settled kind of like in the Jersey Shore area. Yeah. And uh, so he's been doing some youth stuff out there and, you know, really, you know, doing a great and doing great things down there. Yeah. And just through recruiting or whatever, I happened to meet him and just told him, you know, stories. Hey, I remember watching you play at Montebello Park. And, you know, so we got a kick out of that. So we stay in touch. So it's That's just, awesome. you know, the basketball world is really small. But it's great, you know, that you can connect with people that you saw when you were younger and have, yeah. you know, conversations and, and, and just kind of build from there. It's really awesome. Uh, basketball is a great connector of people. And and it's a beautiful thing when you can kind of grow up looking up to somebody and then later on through basketball, connecting with mm-hmm. them. It's almost surreal. And you don't oh, yeah. you don't even realize it was happening until one day you you're kind of lay down, and go to sleep and you're like, wait. I just had a conversation with, you know, so-and-so and that that's, that's great stuff, coach. So yeah, it actually happened to me. It actually happened to me again a few, uh, when I was at Drexel, um, you know, Bruiser Flint, um, yeah. who I worked for for a long time, uh, played at St. Joseph's and the Sixers used to play at, um, I'm sorry, the Sixers used to practice at, uh, at, uh, St. Joseph's. This is before practice facilities and all that. In yeah, the yeah, 80s. Yeah. So he knew Bruiser pretty well. And so, you know, when I was working for Bruiser, he said, oh, Charles is my man. Charles is my man. And lo and behold, um, uh, I'm in my office one day. I'm working for Brew. And he comes comes to the office and says, yo, your man is downstairs at uh, this little restaurant that's on Drexel's campus. Like, Who are you talking about? He said, Charles Barkley. I said, get out of here. He's not down here. So he said, no, nah, seriously, he's down there. Go see. So, you wow. know, sure enough, I went down there and, you know, and I didn't, you know, run right over right away, you know, like I would have probably 20 years prior. Yeah. But, uh, you know, but I just kind of hung out for a little bit. And then, I, you know, I said, hey, you know, just want to introduce myself. You know, I work for Bruiser and, you know, we talked for a little bit and, and you know, but then, you know, that was, you know, I was in my 30s, but that was still like a highlight. Like, yeah, man, I just, <laughs> yeah. I had this, every pair of sneakers, posters on my wall, you know, yeah. the whole, the whole, every jersey, the whole deal. And that, you know, that was, that was, a, that was an amazing experience. But, you know, through yeah. basketball, you know, it's taken me a lot of great places, met a lot of great people. I've been to, you know, more than, you know, probably 38 states in the country. Wow. I've been to Turkey, been to China, you know, been, you know, been all over, you know, because of basketball. It's, a, it's been a great experience. So I'm really fortunate. So, Coach, what was your your experience as a player and playing the game coming up out of Queens? Mm-hmm. Well, for me, it was really it was more fun. It was definitely it was definitely more recreational than it was. Um, I didn't I you know I didn't really take it seriously as far as playing uh, when I was growing up. Uh, you know, I played for fun. Um, you know, I, I like to compete, but you know, to me, I was good just you know going to the park and playing with my friends playing in little, you know, I was playing, you know, ter- little local tournaments in my neighborhood and stuff like that, but really didn't dive serious into it um, as a player um, coming up, um, which, you know, I, I 
I, I, I it's weird to say it. I, I kind of wasn't exposed to high level basketball, and I, yeah. that sounds weird living in New York City. <laughs> but it, yeah. you know, that's just for me. I guess I just kind of stayed in my little bubble, um, and I was okay with that. You know, but I have no regrets. You know, yeah. I enjoyed it. It was fun. I, you know, I haven't played pickup in a while, but you know, but you know, I love to do that. But yeah. you know, I really didn't take it serious, serious as far as getting into competitive uh, basketball. Um, but the kind of what really drew me in even deeper besides just a fan of the game was, um, and where I kind of figured out where, which direction I wanted to head with my life. Um, I was just kind of stumbled into a, a small gym that's about five to 10 minutes where I, from where I grew up called ISA, um, yeah. where they have, uh, you know, really big, uh, fall and, and, and spring leagues, um, with the top players in the area. And then even from around the Northeast come to, uh, to play and, um, just happened to stumble in the gym one day and the gym was it was packed i mean it's not a big gym but it was absolutely packed and i'm sitting you know i just kind of happened to be and go in there sit down i'm watching this game and i see this guy you know a bunch of good players out there obviously but i see this guy about six seven six eight lefty dribbling up the court and crossing people over and shooting floaters and stuff like that it just looked like you know like a magic johnson out there and i'm just like who is this you know, I had no, no idea, and I'm just sitting in the crowd, and I'm just hearing people talk. It happened to be uh, Lamar Odom. Wow. And I just, I'm just i just kind of sitting in the crowd, just listening, and everybody's talking, and you know, but they're talking about, oh, what college is he going to? This is who's recruiting him. And there were other good players out there off the top of my head. You know, in that era, you know, New York City basketball was really strong. I don't remember yeah. exactly who else was there, but, you know, you just hear these conversations, the guys in the crowd talking about, oh, he's such and such is talking to him. He's going to go to this school, or he's thinking about this school, and for whatever reason, it just kind of it, that bug just kind of grabbed me, and I was just like, I got, I, I want to find out more more about this. And this yeah. is probably around maybe my around my junior year of high school, um, and you know, from that point on, and then so hearing all those conversations and uh, talking about college basketball, which I watched, but I can't say I was, I would watch it for the games. I wasn't really knowledgeable about the dynamics of it, yeah, and. Um, I just kind of think I maybe a new, uh, stumbled on a newsstand maybe a day or so later and picked up a copy of Street and Smith magazine and Athlon, I believe, and I'm flipping through it and they're talking about the college basketball season and then they used to have the little sections on the top players in the country and, and who that they were. And from that, I just started doing more research and, and that's kind of what drew me to, to college basketball. Um, and I didn't know exactly where and how or what it would look like for me, but that just kind of stuck with me. Like, I think this is what I want to do, yeah. <laughs> which was really odd for me uh, because I went to a very uh, competitive high school that was very uh, science and math heavy. So all of my friends were talking about being engineers and, you know, computer, you know, the, you know computer guys and stuff like that, you know, lawyers, doctors, that stuff too, but really science and math heavy. And here I come bopping and talking about, you know, I, I want to coach and everybody's looking at me. <laughs> <laughs> I got seven heads, but but for whatever yeah. reason, it just kind of you know it, it stuck with me, and um, you know it just kind of grew from there, and you know that's kind of where my I guess my career path started, even though I didn't know it at the time. Yeah, yeah, and so those are those are really good times, man. When you think about you know how you were influenced to go into coaching, because I think those are those genesis moments, and you yeah. say, man, how did how did I wind up here? How did this yeah. all start? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, because yeah. the things you go through on a daily basis, the grind, the the heartache sometimes, the joy, the elation, uh, the having to move sometimes, <laughs> having to do some crazy yeah. stuff. And you say, man, how did all this start? So that's yeah. some good times, yeah. man, especially, you know, talk about Lamar Odom. You know, mm-hmm. he, the, oh, yeah. you know, most people know him now for kind of some other things, but was a legend, you know, New York City legend, basically. Unbelievably talented. Unbelievably talented. And then, you know, I got a chance when I was at UMass as a student manager. um, So he ends up going to Rhode Island and, and, you know, so watched him play in the league, you know, and Atlantic 10 was a really good league. And just why, I mean, he he, he destroyed it. I mean, it was just, it it was, and there was, I mean, there were NBA players in that league, really good, you know, high level basketball um, going on in Atlantic 10. I mean, and he just, uh, I mean, it was effortless for him. I mean, yeah. super, 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 super talented. Yeah, he super was, talented. He was I mean, ahead he of his time. Really good. Oh, no, no question. Yeah, I mean, he, he was he one was. of those guys that, you know, had a big growth spurt, that had the guard skills. 
you know, big, you know, there was talk of him getting recruited to go play the point at college. You know, at at one point, some colleges were recruiting him for that. And, you know, it's, you know, you just don't know where, you know, where the trajectory would have gone and, you know, different situations happen different ways, but, you know, unbelievably talented. And, uh, you know, obviously, you know, I've never got a chance to meet him or know him or anything, but, you know, obviously wish him the best and hope that he can, uh, you know, continue on and do positive things. But, uh, you know, because he seems like a a good guy, but he, um, I mean, unbelievably talented, you know, special player to watch for sure. Good stuff, coach. So how did your experience you know, at the division, at the JUCO level, the Division One level, you know, being at Howard, and then at Drexel, and then at you know the junior college you were at, uh, what was it, Globe Institute of Technology? How did yep, how yep. did how did that prepare you, you know, to have your own program and at a Division Two level? What well, what did you learn from that? Well. The biggest thing, and if I could take a step back for a minute, was uh, how I kind of got into coaching from, you know, just the idea of it was um, I had a conversation with my phys ed teacher um, when I was in high school, and I explained to him, you know, I, I think I want to get into coaching, but I don't really, you know, know how or whatever. And he explained to me, he, well, he told me that his son was going to school at UMass, and this is around, you know, 96, so this is, you know, UMass. Yeah. Final Four, UMass, Canby, um, Marcus Canby, yeah. time, John Calipari, right. So, um, you know, really good basketball program, obviously. And he was telling me that his son was going to UMass and he was a student manager working with the team and that he wanted to be um, a coach also. And he said that also, you know, he's studying sport management, which, you know, if coaching doesn't work out, you can still get, you know, opportunity to work in sports. And once he said that to me, that was it. That was gospel. So I yeah, <laughs> that's, that's all I knew. So I, I ran with that. And I yeah, applied to UMass. I got in. First day, you know, I, I called up to the office and said, hey, how do I be a manager? They said, you know, come by the first week of school and, you know, come by and talk to our basketball operations uh, staff. And first day of classes, I walked in the office, you know, that said, hey, you know, I'm here. This is what I want to do. And, yeah. and I was with them from that that day forward for my, my whole four years. And, Besides all the managerial duties, I think it was really important for me to, number one, be around a college program. But I, it lear- I learned a lot from that experience. Obviously, you're on the ground ground level of a basketball program. So you're doing everything and you have a hand in everything that yeah. ultimately leads to the team's success. But also being around really great coaches, but great people who yeah. really were about the players and really were you know, looked after me, you know, I'm a, I never, you know, I, I tell the story about Bruiser Flynn all the time. He probably gets tired of hearing it, but you know, like that's my guy. And, and he, I always say he treated me like I scored 3000 points, even if, <laughs> even though I never scored a, a point for him in my life and yeah. him and all the other assistant coaches took me under their wing and taught me a lot, pointed me in the right direction, say, Hey, if you want to coach, okay, go work this camp. You know, you should do this. This is kind of the steps that you can kind of do to, you know, get yourself out there and, and, to make a run at it and, and then also I think the experience of being friends with the players um and living I lived with um three different players um when I was uh, a student at you know at UMass in the dorms so and spent summers with those guys and being around them as friends not just you know somebody trying to get something from them but we truly had a friendship so we had real conversations so I think I kind of learned the psyche of players because I had really good players as my roommate. Yeah. I had guys that didn't play as much, you know, so I, I saw the struggles. I saw, you know, guys crying coming back from games because they didn't check in yeah. and, you know, or, you know, or the struggles of, you know, being a freshman or, or you know, or on the flip side, guys who were expected to deliver every night and the struggles of that and just, the you know, the mentality that those guys had. So I think those relationships that I formed with the players and the coaches and just, you know, the day-to-day grind of being a manager. I think all of those experiences really helped me going forward um, in in my coaching career. Um, So then my first job out of coaching was um, at at Globe Globe Institute of Technology, which um, which you mentioned. Um, It was a Division I junior college at the time. Um, We had really good players. I, I was 21 years old when I got the job. You know, there were a few guys on the team that were older than me, but I never let on to how old I was. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, you know, that was a really fun experience. Again, you know, but yeah. coming from UMass, being being around good players, I think it was a good, you know, entree to to work with those guys. Because we had about five or six guys that ended up going to Division One 
um, off off that team. Um, you know, really, you know, good talent. Uh, we got as high as pick as number sixteen in the nation that year. We you know, wow. we were really good. We had a good team. Um, junior college is, is is not easy, um, but it was a, it was a beast. It was hard, but I learned a lot. It was kind of baptism by fire. So every possible crazy situation, um, you know, it, it was it was a lot. You know, yeah. I mean, even just even the start to my my career at uh, at Globe, my first interview with the head coach and athletic director Ken Wilcox, who gave me my first job. My first interview was September tenth, two thousand and one. Wow. He says, he said to me, okay, and now the school, Globe Institute of Technology, is located about six blocks away from the World Trade Center. So he says, hey, you know, I think I'm going to offer you the job. Um, you know, you did great. I want you to come back tomorrow. I'm going to introduce you to the president. If everything goes well, you know, the job is yours. I said, all right, great. Go home, go back the next, you know, I'm ready to go back the next day. And he said, well, our guys will be working out at this park by the World Trade Center around nine o'clock so you can go check that out before the interview uh meet the president around 11 okay so i'm driving and i was i wasn't going to be there at nine i was probably going to get there at 9 30 and traffic stopped on my way in i saw the first tower on fire and then the second and then i saw you know i wasn't super close to the city but i could see i saw when the second tower got hit yeah so you know that was and so that Crazy. was obviously uh uh, a very, 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 very scary day for everybody, you know, and then just, you know, reflecting on that, you know, yeah. 18 years ago was the anniversary yesterday, so um, that definitely takes me back, so it just, you know, that that journey of um, just that whole experience and, and working down there, I mean, I worked down there in the aftermath of that, that, that whole year, yeah. and, and just everything, and dealing with, you know, heightened security, just, you know, just everything, I mean, I was, you know, it was you know, obviously, I wasn't impacted as um, you know as much as unfortunately the people that you know that perished that day and their families, but it definitely um, left a mark on on me and the, that team and just everything we did that year. So it yeah. was um, it was definitely an experience um, uh, that I'll never forget, but I cherish also, and uh, it definitely has helped me going forward uh, in my career, without question. So, coach, man, you said a lot there, man. That that uh, that experience right there alone. Uh, can really here again. You talked earlier about perspective. You know, mm -hmm. you got a whole new set of rules all of a sudden for the whole country after oh, yeah. that. Oh at, yeah. At, you oh, know, yeah. it's oh, funny. Yeah. At that time, I was working for a government contractor at an Air Force base here in San Antonio, mm -hmm. and they evacuated us, and everything changed. So, not only was it felt there the most, but we also felt it where we were at too. I mean, there was just. You know, that time, when I think about it, too, it's just amazing, like, mm -hmm. it was so, oh, yeah. so unreal. But, yeah, I can imagine oh, I mean, the people, people yeah, in the city. Yeah. I mean, we had, I mean, we had guys, we had a couple of plane trips to go to, go to, go fly to games that year. And we had a couple of guys that just said, I'm not going. Yeah, I'm, like, yeah, I'm not yeah. getting, I'm not getting on the plane. We had, get that. we played, uh, West uh, we played at West Point, the Army's uh, JV team was one of our games. And, I mean, literally, we had to get out the van. So they could search it for bombs and looking under the. I mean, it. I mean, it's. I mean, you're talking about a couple months afterward. I mean, it was a lot. It was a. It was um. You know, it was a crazy year all around in a lot of different ways. It was a crazy year, but I definitely learned a lot. And one of the best things, besides all of that, negative things that happened, but I think junior college is a great level to start at for any coach, um, because you're recruiting, so you're meeting high school coaches and AAU coaches. So that's a great, you know, way to start. But also because college coaches are coming in to meet um, to to recruit the players on your team, you know, you get a chance to meet those coaches and, and you know, build your network um, also. So, yeah. you know, that one year, you know, really did a lot for me in my career, you know, propelling me to get started as far as my network for recruiting um, players and things like that and getting used to that, but also, you know, meeting college coaches and expanding my network uh, professionally as well. So it, it definitely uh, – um, was it that that one year did definitely did a lot for me? So, coach, here again, your time at Howard and Drexel. Mm -hmm. uh, how did mm -hmm. how did that prepare you as far as here again? You talk about being with Bruiser Flint and his yep. his impact on your life and and your career as well. I'm sure, uh, you know your your time there. How did that prepare you here again to kind of take the the, the reins there at Queens College at a, at a Division two level? I think it all helped. I think. You know, I started off as a manager and then I coached 
uh, junior college, and then my first time working for Bruiser professionally was as director of basketball operations. So I think that experience, as far as now, I'm doing budgets. Um, you know, I'm doing administrative duties that <clears throat> that I never had a chance to do really before. So doing yeah. budgets and organizing things and and planning trips and things like that. At the time, it was you know I'm not coaching anymore, so that was a little bit of a you know an adjust an adjustment. Yeah. But fast, you know, looking back at it now, it was a, it was a, it was um, crucial to my development as a head coach. Just at, at the time, I didn't know it, but just being able to now, okay, I you know somebody hands me a budget, I can look at it and say, okay, we need to do this. We have to allot money for this. We have yeah. this is how much a trip is going to cost. You know, those things that you may not see or get a chance or an opportunity to do um, if you're coaching and other people are handling that, um, that opportunity at Drexel definitely prepared me to be a head coach now as an operation. Um, my my um, experience at Howard, uh, my first time coaching on the Division One level, was a great experience. Uh, I think it really taught me that I, want, I really wanted to coach um, because, you know, I actually went to Howard as a volunteer. Um, they only had two paid assistants at the time, and uh, those spots were filled. But the head coach offered me the volunteer position. And so, you know, I had to make a choice. It was either, you know, stay with, you know, the guy who got me in the business. And, you know, I had a comfortable job. I wasn't rich, but, you know, I was comfortable. I had health benefits. I had all of those things. Yeah. And, you know, or I could walk away from all of that to go take this opportunity and have to find a, you know, a full-time job and a place to live and all of those things like that. But fortunately, it all worked out, and I, I do believe that if things things are supposed to happen and, and it's the right move for you, things have a way of falling in place. And uh, so I was able to find um, a great uh, full time job that was a it was an overnight shift, uh, which gave me the flexibility to you know be in the office, go to practice, go recruiting as long as I was back by midnight. Yeah. And I had an understanding boss that um you know let me use my sick days when we would go on road trips and stuff like that. So. Wow. Um, they did, did that, you know, so, you know, it worked out, you know, I didn't get a lot of sleep those first two years because I, I was burning the midnight oil for sure. Um, you know, so definitely, I, I think it, uh, you know, it definitely, it, it, uh, it was, it was rough. It was, it was hard, but, you know, but I loved every minute of it. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm a division one assistant. I'm, you know, I'm coaching, I'm recruiting, I'm, you know, I mean, it, it's everything that I wanted. So, yeah. you know, I, for two years I did that and then a paid spot um, opened up on the staff and, and, and coach, you know, promoted me to that spot. So, um, I did it for two years and then the last three years, you know, I, I was on the payroll and, you know, still able to do the same thing. But, you know, but it also, again, I think that experience helped me. Again, you know, I was a division one assistant. I'm coaching, recruiting, budgets, you know, all the things, scouting reports, all the things that go into to that job. But also, Bill Jackson, great guy, learned a lot from him on building a program, starting from scratch. And he also, when he got gave me the opportunity, he said, hey, look, it's a volunteer position, but I'm not going to treat you like a volunteer. You're going to be on the road. You're going to be on the floor. You're going to be doing scouting reports. You're going to get everything out of this experience that you can wow. um, because I'm not paying you. So num number one, I want you to get this as a coach, but also since I'm not paying you, this is, you know, how I can reward you. Yeah. And I find myself now paying that forward with that same mentality where, you know, division two assistant coaches budgets are not <laughs> the same as, um, you know, division yeah, one and, most you know, yeah. and all of that. But, but that's, that's the conversation that I have with the guys that come to work for me that, Hey, look, I'm not going to be able to pay you that much, but you know what, you know, you're not, I'm not going to treat you like a volunteer or, you know, the guy that's not getting paid that much. I'm going to give you as much experience as I can. So, you know, when, you know, this isn't going to be a lifetime opportunity for you, but I want you to be here for one, two, three years, get the most out of it that you can put it on your resume so you can say, yes, I've recruited, I've done scouting reports, I've ran practices, I've, you know, I've run individual skill sessions, I've done all of these things. So now when you do go to get, you know, your next job that hopefully is better paying and, and all of that, you know, you can step yeah. in and, and hit the floor running and you can really you know, present yourself well in an interview and say, hey, look, I've done these things and the success I've had, regardless of how much I was getting paid. You know, you're talking about empowering people. You reward mm -hmm. you reward them by empowering them and holding them accountable. You know, uh, Alan Stein talks about that when I, when I did an interview with him, and he talked about accountability is something that we do for people, not, you know, we don't do it to them. You know, it's for them. It's to help them. Right. And, right. Uh, and I think that's what you're talking about is like, 
you had somebody kind of bring you along and say, hey, look, I, I'm going to do what I can, you know, financially. But what you're going to mm-hmm. gain out of this is far more uh, valuable. You know, and I think that's what, when I think about value, what I value. It, there's no, uh, I mean, my dad always tells me there's no, there's no way to get anything better out of life than experience. There's no substitute Absolutely. for experience. And Absolutely. so, that, and I think that here again, empowerment, that's such good stuff, coach. I'm glad you're, you know, kind of going through that because I know coaches listening, they may be feeling kind of like, well, how, how do I get these volunteers, these guys that are, you know, here again, division two guys, division three guys. I mean, you know, the budgets just shrink as you keep going down the line, but you know, you, you, you find ways to empower people and, and give them responsibility mm-hmm. and authority at times too. So that's good right. stuff, coach. Right. Uh, so, you know, talking about the tough times, the good times and all that, was there ever a time coach where you felt like, man, this just wasn't the right move. Maybe I shouldn't have got into coaching and, and you know, was there ever a time that you felt that way? Mike, that's a great question. Uh, so I think the thing when your staff gets fired, which unfortunately has happened to me twice, uh, you, you, you question it. I mean, that's just human nature. It's natural. Um, for me, if, and it wasn't for me necessarily, is this the right thing for me? It was more the question of, okay, I love the game, but how much does the game love me? That was kind of the question I, I, I was posed with. And, you know, but coaching is, is all I've ever done as a career. I might have had other jobs here and there to make ends meet, but coaching is the only career I've ever had. It's, it's really all I know. It's what I've known I wanted to do since I was about 16, 17 years old, and I haven't strayed from it. Yeah. And, you know, I've, you know, both times and, and being honest, both times when, you know, when when our staff was let go and you have that little low and so, you know, you hook up again, you know, both times I, I applied for other jobs. I tried to, you know, think, really sit down and think about, OK, if, if I can't get another coaching job, what am I going to do? And both times I came up and I, I mean, yeah. I applied for you know, jobs that I thought would be a shoo-in for me to get. And, you know, I'm talking about, you know, simple delivery job, you know, whatever, working in a warehouse, whatever. Yeah. They didn't get calls back. And, I mean, it's humbling. And you're just like, wow, you know, I can't, I, I can't get this job. I can't get that job. And then you're thinking, okay, as a career, what am I qualified for? And you're coming up empty. Yeah. But, again, I'm, I'm a big believer in things happen the way they're supposed to. And to me, it's kind of signaled to me, and I hope I'm proven right for the rest of my working life, that yeah. this is what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. That, you know, I haven't been able to, you know, when I apply for jobs, people don't call me back. When I, when I, when I, when I, uh, you know, and, and you would think, okay, I've done some things. I, I should have some transferable skills, but for whatever reason, it just hasn't happened. And, but then I was fortunate enough to get, you know, you know, get, you know, get jobs and not just get jobs like bouncing around. I've been able to advance along the way. So, That's cool. um, you know, it just kind of worked out for me. I've been lucky. I've been fortunate. I don't know. Hopefully, I, I, I'll stay that way. You know, I'm not hoping to get fired again anytime soon. But you know, it's um, yeah. you never know. It's a volatile business. But um, you know, it's a uh, it's a great question because honestly, I've 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 failed to come up with uh, something else uh, both times when I've been put in that position. But I'm I'm hopeful that the reason why that that's been the case is because this is what I'm supposed to be doing, and hopefully, it's something I can continue to do to support my family and myself. Uh, you know, for uh, for the rest of the time that, that you know, that, that, that I'm doing this. You know, Coach, you, you, I've lived the same type of life where there was a point where I had to kind of figure out, like, man, I got let go. Like, I thought mm-hmm. I was going to be here. I was here 17 years. I thought I was going to be here forever. Sure. thought they were going to mm-hmm. have to bury me on the quarter on the football field somewhere. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. you know, you, you really come to that, that fork in the road, if you will, and figure out, do I just go – do something here again to make ends meet because that has to be done. Like there's once you're married, you got yep. kids like, nah, man, there's no, <laughs> there's no like moving yep. back in with mom and dad yep. and trying to figure that out. Now it's like, yep. let's figure it out. So man, those are some really tough times, but I, I know I started coaching when I was 15. So I know like, right. this is wow. it. Like this yeah. is what, this yeah. is what God made me to do. He designed yep. me to do this. And I always go back to Michael Jordan's dad. He said in an interview one time, he says, you know, yeah, God, God made Michael to play basketball because if 
he wasn't playing basketball, he'd starve to death. You know, like if he didn't know how to do that, he wouldn't do anything else. So, and, and I feel the same way, man. Like yeah, if yeah, this coaching yeah, thing yeah. wasn't here leading kids, young people, man, I, I don't know. I'd probably figure something out because I did some other stuff to make a living, but I wouldn't really be living in a sense. So I, I hear you completely, Coach. So I want you to finish this sentence for me, Coach, because it's a, it's a question or it's a sentence that I think uh, when you contemplate, you know, really the lifestyle of a college coach and then here again, you being a head coach, uh, when you, you reflect, you think, what is this life really like? And and where where is it headed? And, you know, like kind of what we're talking about as well. So finish the sentence for me, coach. The life of a college head coach is. A lot. <laughs> <laughs> That's, a, That's a good one, coach. A lot. It's a lot. I mean, it's, um, I mean, it's, a, it's a cliche. And, you know, yeah, yeah. It, it's one of those things where, you know, I've been around head coaches and, you know, I've worked for, obviously worked for head coaches and they tell you, you don't understand. And I, I, it's not that I didn't believe it, but you, you, it's, it's, it's just one of those things in life. And I'm not saying it's exclusive to only coaching, but it's one of those things in life where honestly, you really don't know what it is and what it really means until you're actually in the seat. You think yeah, you do, yeah. you think you're ready to coach a game, you think you're ready to call timeouts, you think you're ready to, you know, all, all of those things. But it's it's so much more than that and, and it's really, it's a lot is the really only way I can explain it. Like yeah. you never, it's, you're never truly prepared for it no matter how long you've been an assistant, no matter what, you know, what you've done, what you've seen, who you've been around, you're never really truly prepared for it. But, it's awesome. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it, it, there's nothing. I, again, I can't compare it to anything because that's all I've ever done as coach, but I mean, it's, it's an awesome, it's an awesome feeling. It's an awesome, awesome sense of responsibility, but it's also fun. I mean, that first time you forget about coaching the game, the first time you step out onto the court with your practice plan and it's your drills and it's your vision yeah. and it's what you think is going to work and how it is that first time. I mean, it's, it's it's awe-inspiring. I mean, and it's it's humbling. It's all of those things. But it's I mean, if that first try, I couldn't get the smile off my face. You know, <laughs> <laughs> like it's just like yeah. I'm just standing there, just like I'm telling these guys to move, and they're moving. You know what yeah, I mean? And yeah, it's, yeah, obviously, yeah. as an as as an as an assistant, you you know you have you know some authority and things like that. But this no, literally, this is the drill that I'm saying we're going to do for this long, and the manager's putting the time on the clock. And these guys yeah. are doing it like it's wow. just, and I'm not a control freak, but it's just, but it's yeah, really I hear what like, you're saying. It, 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 it's a, you know, I mean, it's, it, it's thrilling. And then, you know, you get to a game, the games are different. I always tell people as a head coach, I, my experience with games is so much different than it was in an assist as an assistant. I'm trying to get better at it. You know, as an assistant, I, when we won, you know, I would kind of go home on a, you know, on a little high, oh, we play great such and such played great, you know, da 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 da, da. If you lost, you kind of, oh, man, you know, uh, you know, it, you kind of, the high, the roller coaster was a little bit steeper, yeah. which is exhilarating in itself. As a head coach, literally, I mean, on a win, as soon as the horn goes off, I talk to the team, and then it's over. Like, yeah. the, the enjoyment yeah. is over, the fun is over, because my next, the only thing I can think about after I talk to those guys is, talking to my assistant all right where's the film for this next team yeah where you know who did they play what were the scores in the league you know, you know what i mean yeah. it's, a, it's yeah. a switch like it, it's over the, the win i mean you walk off the court even if it was a great thrilling win team you weren't supposed to beat all of that stuff as soon as the game is even even on a road game i'm on the bus i'm in the van i'm pulling up a live stream of the team that we're playing the next two days you know two days from now i'm watching that game like it, it's so it's over really quick yeah. Yeah. yeah, and even and same thing with a loss. You lose, you might feel you know you might be upset, disappointed, frustrated, whatever. But even with that, as soon as I get in that in that, that bus or that van, or I'm, I'm back in my office, I'm popping in another tape and I'm writing up a practice plan. So I'm trying to you know learn ways to enjoy it more. The winning, especially you know the losing, you know you don't want to do too much of that. But yeah. I'm trying to find ways to enjoy yeah. it a little bit more. But I mean, it's just it's different. It's a lot. You know, you're always thinking about stuff. You're always thinking about your team. You're always thinking about the guys individually. There's really no off switch um, in my mind. You know, I just keep running notes on my phone just all the time. I'm watching something. I write it down. You know, you're just always 
constantly and it could be anything it could be basketball it could be uniforms it, i mean it's everything yeah cool stuff that just your mind can never really truly shut off it's just a lot but it's it's really rewarding you know and i'm probably talking a lot and rambling but because no. i because i love it it's, it's, it's yeah. thrilling to me you know and, and um, i'm having a lot of fun you know he's the I had no experience on the Division Two level prior to uh, to coming to Queens College, but you know, but I'm having a great time. I'm really enjoying being a head coach, and it's um, you know, like I said, it, it's a lot, but it's it's rewarding and all consuming. But it's um, I can't imagine, you know, it, it's not to say I would never go back to being an assistant. You know, who knows what the future holds? But I'm I'm really enjoying being a head coach with with all of <laughs> that comes with it. Yeah. Not only that, coach, you're, you're at home. You're literally at home. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, no, it's and, great. And, it's and you, great. Get, you get to be there, you know, in your city, in your town, you know. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things, yeah. too. And, you know, I like what you were talking about, you know, kind of walking into that first practice feeling like, man, this is mine. Like, you know, yep. not, here again, oh, yeah. not that you're a control freak or you're possessive, but mm-hmm. you're taking ownership and you're saying, no, this is mine. And then you find another voice. You had a voice as an assistant. You had a voice as a coach, but now you find a voice as a head coach. It's a little bit different, and I think that's uh, that's just a, 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 it's a, it's a it's a responsibility. You have to cherish it. And one of the yeah. things that I've learned that is you know it's not as easy as it might have looked or seen. And you have to really dive into not just coaching a team, but really building a program and, yeah. and what that means and how you have to go about it and the time and the effort and energy that you have to put into that. I think that's one thing that at least I took for granted, or, you know, early. Yeah. Um, and it's a mistake I'll never make again. And luckily yeah. I was able to correct it, you know, but it's something that you really have to do. But again, that's not something that you're taught. That's not something that you're, you know, you're prepared for the importance of, you know, you can have all the drills in the world. You can have all the, you know, per- you know, you think you have the perfect system and you're getting these recruits and all of this stuff like that. But if your culture is not right, if, you, if the leadership within your group is not right, and if you're not, you know, messaging, you know, as intent and as intentionally as you really need to be, I mean, things can go really left quick. And and again, that's a, you know, that's one thing that, um, you know, any advice I would give to a young coach, especially when you be become a head coach, and it doesn't actually it doesn't even matter what age you become a head coach really pay attention and really dive into, you know, leadership and, and what it means to lead a group and, and how you have to message things, the, the, the standards you have to set and how you go about doing different things. And everybody's different, but you really have to pay attention to those things because if you don't, you know, you might have some short-term success recruiting and wins on the court with some talent and stuff like that. But if you don't have your program right and, 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 and running the right way yeah. and the, the kids taking ownership in that and, and taking it a step further, even when you're not around, then it, it's, um, it can turn ugly quick. And, yeah. and so that, that would be my advice. Just really pay attention to that stuff. That's great, Coach. I like what you said about messaging intentionally because sometimes as coaches, uh, we love to talk. First of all, mm-hmm. second of all, we, we can uh, sometimes talk about some things that are in our head that necessarily shouldn't be coming out of our mouth. And mm-hmm. and if they're not intentional and we're just trying to prove a point in a sense and trying to call out guys without saying their name or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, we yep, should. Yeah, we, it's, it's everything. It's yeah. Everything. Yeah. We should probably just keep everything. that to ourselves and then make sure we come back with something like you said, intentional. I, I love that messaging intentionally. Love that, Coach. So, you know, getting back to the personal side of it as well, Coach, uh, you know, and with your family uh, and everything. Coach, what have you sacrificed to do, to kind of be where you're at right now in your career? <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Um, um, you know, I guess the pride, maybe some money here and there, you know. You know, like I said, definitely when I volunteered, it, you know, you know, those type of things. But I mean, definitely, you know, security as far as, you know, job security and things like that. Like I took some chances when I was younger as far as not, you know, chances as far as, like I said, leaving a paid position to go volunteer, things like that. But that was prior to being married and having kids and things like that. So the situation was different. So, um, you know, it's, you know, so you definitely, it's a sacrifice. Um, you know, you do, once you do have a family and, um, you know, wife and kids, you know, you can miss some things. Sometimes you try to keep that to a minimum as much as possible. 
if you can, you know, some of that can be intentionally done. You know, my wife knew, you know, when we were looking at dates for, uh, for, um, getting married, um, you know, I, we intentionally picked the dead period. So that, way, <laughs> so, that so that, so that way, you, you know, we know pretty, pretty consistently when, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, we, if we want to take a, you know, take a week to go, you know, for, you know, celebrate our anniversary or whatever, we can do it around the dead period. So, you know, you're not missing any recruiting, you know, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. the, it's all the, about recruiting you know, coach. And, yeah. Right. Right. Luck, you know, luckily it's, we picked a dead period in May. So it's a nice time, you know, so, you know, so good with that. And, yeah. um, you know, our, our kids, you know, fortunately, you know, one birthday is in September, one's in October. So, you know, you I'm go. not going to be missing any birthdays for games and stuff like that. So luckily that, you know, that worked out for us, but you know, and you know, you're always going to miss family time, but luckily I haven't missed any moments as far as, you know, first steps or, first word you know I've, I've been fortunate i've been around for you know all those big things and and i you know hope to continue to do that and you know nothing missing any graduations and and, and you know big moments like that but it's the little moments that count and, and and so even now like i drive my daughter my daughter you know to school every day so we get a chance to spend a lot of time together awesome. so even awesome. though you know so you know and my younger one will be going to the same school next year so you know we'll have that you know that that time together and you know you just have to be intentional about you know when it's the weekends you know that you know you put the phone down you know when you come in the house put the phone down for an hour try to do those things it's hard at times and sometimes you lose focus but then you know you have a good support network, you know, people snap you back real quick and remind you that, um, you know, you're, you know, you might be checking out a little bit. So, yeah. which is natural for, you know, you know, cause you're, again, it's being a head coach, you're all consumed. You're yeah. trying to remember everything and hoping you didn't forget anything and checking in with this one and recruiting and scouting and watching more film and seeing what's going on and, you know, what's the landscape, you know, what, what's going on out there. So trying to stay all on top of it, but, you know, but the family time is very important and you have to make sure that you do that. Um, so, you know, my support network, you know, with my family is great. You know, that's, that's everything, um, you know, and uh, yeah, so it's, uh, that's, uh, it's a sacrifice. Uh, it, it can be, I think any job is a sac, you know, it, it can has its elements to it that, uh, you have to sacrifice some for some more than others, yeah. but in coaching is definitely it's there. But if you're, again, if you're intentional about it and you make sure that you prioritize that and, and keep everything in perspective, uh, I think it, it's a balance that definitely can be achieved. And, and again, I had great role models of, you know, the guys that I worked for and worked with, you know, coaches and, you know, with their, their kids and their families and their wives. And I saw, you know, I was able to see, okay, this is kind of how you can do it. And um, so I learned from them too uh, as well so that's uh, having you know having good teachers and that having the good on the court coaches and, and all of that stuff is great and but also being able to watch them as men as, as husbands and fathers is really important too yeah. um you know for you know for your mentors to be able to show you the right way because that's just as important if not well it's more important yeah. it's actually more important definitely coach you're talking about character right there is with, with with those guys and you know integrity all those things I think that that's every one of us, if we can have at least three mentors in our life at, a, at one mm-hmm. time, it's a good deal. But, it, you know, you always look for those guys that weren't just successful on the court, but guys who were successful mm-hmm. off. You know, I always tell people, you want to know something about a man and a coach, I'll go talk to his wife, go talk to his parents mm-hmm. if he's single, go talk to his mom. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you'll know who they really are. And that's mm-hmm. just That's just the nature of you know, her again, character, integrity, uh, all those things. So, Coach, you know, we, we talked a lot about kind of the influences on your career, uh, you know, step by step, how, how, kind of you, how your career went. And, uh, and so kind of the, the people you impact, that means a lot, not just your family too, but, but you know, the players, uh, the people within your program, you know, administration, all that. Um, so when you think about your career and even though it's still, you know, at, in, at an early stage, cause I'm sure you got a long ways to go. Um, what would you want your legacy to be when your career is all said and done coach? I would think I would want people to say about me that I was, uh, humble, um, a servant leader. I think that's very important that uh, I did more for others than people did for me. Um, and I did it with humility because uh, I think that's how you achieve true success. Uh, if you always stay, if you stay humble, I think you can achieve more. Yeah. Um, so being a humble servant leader um, 
he's in my life. Um, guy that loved his family, loved his players, coaches, everybody that worked with him, you know, and worked with him, not for him, but worked with him on the journey and, and friends. I think that's uh, really important um, that uh, those people feel and know that uh, that I you know, that I love them. And also just a man who showed people around him that he cared and that always struck, he always strive to do the right thing. I think yeah. if, you know, if you're doing that, you know, then um, you've done right by people. If, you know, even if, you know, something may be unpopular here and there, but if you always try to do the right thing, I think, um, you know, that that's how you want to be remembered. So I would say those three things, you know, humble servant leader that I loved his family people he worked with and his friends and tried to show everybody that he cared about them, people in his life, and, and that he um, always strived to do the right thing. People say that about me, I'll, I'll be all right. Coach, I thank you for your time, man. It was a good time. Uh, I'm just, you know, here again, so glad we got to make this happen after all. Um, and, and here again, I know you got a lot to do, as we spoke about. <laughs> And so I just appreciate you making the time, man, to, to come on and contribute and share. Uh, I know it's going to be impactful. And uh, so, yeah, Coach, really do appreciate your time. No, thank you, Mike. And, again, I appreciate your your, your patience <laughs> no, <laughs> with, no. with me. I definitely, definitely appreciate the, the invitation. And um, this was awesome, great experience to me. Always love talking about, uh, you know, talking about the you know the business but the experiences and everything that um you know hopefully uh, people can take a one you know one nugget because i you know I'm, I'm a big stealer i steal from everybody i listen yeah. to podcasts i watch videos you know and i'm always trying to, to steal from other people so the least i can do is uh pay it forward and if one person can get something out of anything that i've come across or going through then um you know that that makes it all worth it so i appreciate that opportunity no coach thank you For listening to the Creative Coaching Podcast. Know that you are appreciated. So please take the time to listen to us on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. You can also follow us on Twitter at Creative Coach47. Here again, all of this I thank you for. Please leave a rating, subscribe, follow, leave feedback. Uh, this is your platform. So you know, take ownership of it. And here again, you are appreciated. So thank you.